You're with Cape Talk. This is John Matham on Afternoon Drive. Somebody following the conversation with David Maney, and particularly my last question to him, says the principle of keeping money in an area may appear to be sound, but it is fraught with challenges as it often then leads to extortionist behaviour. So in the end, all communities may decide to only allow locals, and by implication then no other contractor can work in this community. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm well aware of that, but I wonder if there isn't some kind of middle way process whereby you give a slight loading advantage. So if you've got points out of 100 and, and you, you give the contract to the person who gets closest to the perfect score of 100, that in the categories you maybe give three or five points for living in the area, operating in the area. So you don't exclude people from other areas, but you offer a faint advantage to somebody who does live in the area. So that somebody who, on price, on quality of vehicle, on X, Y, and Z, is exactly the same as somebody else, but comes from the area, that three-point loading gives them a slight advantage. I don't know, but it, it always seems to me that there is something sound about locally generated money staying in the community, but at the same time, as you point out, you do not want the kind of extortionist behavior which characterizes so many areas of the South African economy, particularly in townships and rural areas at the moment. It is 23 minutes now past 5 o'clock. The Wagner Group is responsible, apparently, for most of whatever military successes Russia is having on Ukrainian territory. Uh, If ground forces are doing anything vaguely successful, they are Wagner Group mercenaries. And Wagner Group mercenaries are very, very active in Africa as well. The closest, perhaps, um, of uh, the closest site of activity to us here in Cape Town is in northern Mozambique. And most recently, the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime has done a report on the influence of the Wagner Group in Africa. Uh, uh, Contributing to that report, senior analyst and co-author of the report, Junior Stanyard, joins us now. Uh, Julia, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, the the report, and and again, it's it's much bigger than we're going to be able to cover in the few minutes we have available. But the influence is in Africa, particularly sort of northwestern Africa, but other parts as well. It's growing, and it is the most significant interaction between Africa and Russia there is. Yeah, absolutely, it is, and that has the you know the profile of Wagner across Africa has really developed very rapidly since late 2017, which was the first time that Wagner mercenary troops were seen on the continent, which, you know, their first deployment was uh, was in Sudan, where they remain until this day. Um, as you mentioned, they had a brief but sh- actually short-lived intervention in northern Mozambique um, from late 2019, but they were actually only there for a, for a few months and then had to withdraw. Um, but now they also have military deployments in Central African Republic, where they have a huge profile, also in Libya, and most recently in Mali as well, where they've been since late 2021. Um, and that's just um, military operations. They have developed a kind of broader economic base also, which touches on several other countries in the continent, and also have some political operations, which span even further than that. So, uh, yes, as you said, it's now become 
you know, in many ways, the most influential form of Russian engagement in Africa today. Let me ask a naive question. Is there any meaningful difference between the Central African government asking the Wagner Group, that, how do you say it? So I can, we can say it the same thing, same way. Um, Wagner Group, but I think it's open to interpretation. Okay, well, let you and I say Wagner Group while we're talking. Mm-hmm. Is there any difference between its deployment in Central Africa at the request of the Central African government and uh, French troops being deployed in Mali at the request of the Malian government? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a very fair question. But, um, you know, we think that, you know, the way that we see it, Wagner is engaging on a, on a very different basis and with very different incentives involved. So, um, you know, it's not only providing mercenary troops at the behest of the government that it, uh, you know, that it has contracts with, but it's also out there to protect its own economic interests as well. It, you know, it, it, companies linked to the group develop interests in mining, for example, in Central African Republic, logging as well, and, you know, things like gold and diamonds as well. Um, and so it has an incentive to protect its own economic interests rather than purely like a security basis. And also where it has deployed troops, it has done so, you know, and it's been associated with lots of very, very serious human rights abuses and the targeting of civilians, you know, even above and beyond the, the rates at which, you know, civilians are targeted by other armed groups in those conflicts. And every, every conflict in which it has engaged so far it actually has, you know, resulted in that conflict becoming more embedded, more entrenched, and more violent. So the interests of the group are, you know, self-interested rather than having any interest in producing sort of sustainable security. Yeah, again, I would argue that the uh, the French government is not immune to notions that their military presence in a ECOWAS country is um, potentially not going to help their economic interests in that region. But perhaps mm-hmm. there hasn't been the same same degree of embedding the violence and the human rights violations when the troops in an African country have come from France or wherever else they've come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the available evidence suggests. Yeah, you know, I mean, even today there was a statement put out by, um, you know, or just a few days ago even, that the, you know, UN Office for, um, Office for Human Rights, the High Commissioner, you know, denouncing some of the activities that Wagner's troops have been, you know, conducting in Central African Republic. You know, they are highlighted above and beyond any other military actor of, you know, being really kind of uh, a malign actor in a lot of ways and, you know, making, making the situation, particularly for, you know, civilians, a lot worse in any of these contexts. And they are supposedly an independent force, but, I mean, essentially the report and other reporting on the group seems to suggest that they, they're they as much acting in the name of Putin as they are acting in the name of the Wagner group. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a complex relationship, but they're often described really as acting as a proxy of the Russian state uh, in Africa. Um, so, you know, for example... If you take their operations, you know, across the continent, they're often also pursuing a political goal, which is, you know, in, in Russian interest as well as an economic goal. And that's stated, you know, even by, even by Wagner themselves. There was a strategy document, you know, describing their strategy across the whole of Africa, which was actually leaked from inside the organization in 2019, which describes not only it having a private interest, an economic interest, you'd imagine for a private military company, but also actually as, it's, as a strategic goal, the aim of displacing European and Western interests and, you know, the relationship of African countries with Western countries um, as well. So that, 
as I'm sure you can, as you can see, that's not a normal aim for a private company to have. Um, and there have been a lot of very close links seen between the Russian state and Wagner in its operations elsewhere. And for example, if you take in Ukraine, you know, Wagner has been able to recruit from within Russian prisons, you know, a very high rate for its operations in Ukraine. So it's clearly doing so at the behest of the Russian state. Uh, we've seen more recently that there has been a kind of dispute between the Russian military and Wagner's operations in Ukraine. But at the same time, you know, even though that relationship has become fractious, they've clearly got very close links. Um, and in Africa, they're kind of acting really um, as part of this like, Russian power, power projection. Julia, thank you very much for talking to us this afternoon. Julia Stanyard is a senior analyst at the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime.